Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Allison Best. Allison is the Director of Technology Commercialization at the University of Mississippi. Allison received her Bachelor of Science in Marketing from Clemson University and her MBA in Pharmaceutical Marketing and Development from the University of Mississippi. Allison's journey to tech transfer started as a project coordinator in the School of Pharmacy, writing technical dossiers for technologies that were up for patenting and licensing. At that time, commercialization efforts were managed at the unit level, but eventually the University of Mississippi built a central office for supporting innovation. Allison's journey continues today as she has served as a director for the last three years. And with that very interesting background, welcome to the podcast, Allison. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, thanks again, Allison, for taking part in the podcast. And I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests a little bit about their journey to tech transfer. Could you tell us how you ended up in Oxford and what it was like to be part of building an office from scratch? Sure. Um, I am one of those fortunate folks that um, when they finish an undergraduate or a graduate program, I had fallen in love with with Oxford and I was able to find a job. And so, in fact, that's one of the, the main um, emphasis we have now in the state is to keep those students in the state. So I realize now how fortunate I was 25 years ago to be able to do something like that. Um, and again, like I said, I like you mentioned, I had started in the School of Pharmacy as a project coordinator. And with those commercialization efforts being very decentralized by different units, um, we had an extraordinary vice chancellor that brought in um, a business development person from industry who came in and said, this is there's a lot of great stuff here and, and use that industry approach. And that model that we did in the School of Pharmacy um, was able to be scaled. Uh, the vice chancellor said, Let, let's try and do this for, for real. And so we, um, we, we built the office. But the, the great thing is, is that um, I'd like to say we didn't build it from scratch. What we did is a, is a good road trip, which these days sounds like something fun to do. But we went to three different offices that we admired. One was a lot bigger but than what we knew we could do, but we love stretch goals. And then we found two comps and we went around and we had you know great conversations with our counterparts and figured out how to make it work. That's pretty awesome. So given that you went around and looked at those different offices, um, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with your office, can you tell us a little bit more about it and how it's structured? Sure. So um, fast forward to 18 years later, um, we went from one person to two persons. Right now we're at about, about four and a half um, when we've got some creative uh, structuring there. It took about 15 years to get the traditional director. Then um, I came in as associate director. Um, we managed to hire a project coordinator to help us with all that great data and docketing and um, financial information. Um, we were able to secure through our success our very first licensing associate about three years ago. 
And then a year ago, we started a partner, a partnership with the um, Small Business Development Association, whereby one of their business counselors on the entrepreneurship side um, is working part time with us. So we have that dedicated individual to help with our faculty and um, employee startups. So it sounds like you guys are very lean, but you get a tremendous amount done. We that's that's the goal is to, to keep trying to do what you're going to do. But uh, and then also managing growth, because we have been um, able to be um, very successful over the years um, with what we've been able to do. But it like all uh, tech transfer, there's been, you know, hills and valleys. And so it's really important to manage growth and expectations during those times. Now, speaking of growth, I know you have something called Inside Park. Can you tell us a little bit about what Inside Park is? Sure. Insight Park is um, basically our research park, um, and that's in in that its its traditional mission is obviously to to provide a, you know a dynamic environment where businesses can take full advantage of the entire research spectrum at Ole Miss. There's an incubator in there. Um, we have a, a large company, a billion dollar um, company out of San Diego, General Atomics. It's a tenant in there because of their re- research relationship with the University of Mississippi. Um, but it is that engagement point. Um, right now it's one building. We're hoping to, to build that up. Um, but it's a fantastic opportunity and it's a beautiful facility. How long has Inside Park been around? I mean, you've been at the university for quite some time. It obviously wasn't there when when you first arrived. No, no. in fact, actually, um, some of the efforts that we're, we're doing um, regionally and statewide, we were just, our group was just talking about this because, you know, 18 years ago, folks that wanted to partner with us and license with us wanted, especially in the life sciences, really wanted to have a physical presence in either near the university or in Oxford, uh, Mississippi, our community. And we just didn't have that space. And so Insight Park was born from that. The investment that that the state and our and our university made into creating wet lab space, office space. Um, and so it's about 10 years old right now. It varies between it took a long time to get to full capacity, but right now we're varying, you know, between that 90 and 100 percent capacity. And um, we're in the middle of some tremendous build outs in the innovation space there. That's really exciting. So it sounds like you've got some great technology and other innovations that are going on. So could you share with us some of those technologies that might be on the market as well as some innovations that you have in development? Sure. So, again, I think one of the most extraordinary things is coming from a decentralized model, what the university has been able to do and partner with industry over over these 20 years. And and again, because our origination was out of the life sciences, about 80 percent of our portfolio is still in that space. The the university has, believe it or not, a skincare line on the market. We have a our school of pharmacy has an extraordinary natural products um, research center. And so we have a partnership with a public company called Chromadex in California and Colorado, um, where we've helped them develop proprietary dietary supplements um, that are now on the market. And especially these days, we have an immune enhancement um, dietary supplement. And so that's getting a a lot of of press. And then on the non-life sciences side, we have um, some sensors that were developed um, here on our campus that were actually developed to the point where when we transferred them to a company here in Mississippi, they are now manufactured in Mississippi and they're sold around the world, mostly as part of the National Test Ban Treaty Agreement. And so we have sensors on every continent in this planet that are listening for geological activity or um, 
explosions, anything that governments and industry needs to be listening to. Um, these sensors originated out of Oxford and we're thrilled they're on the market. That company that we partner with is um, Hyperion Technologies over in Tupelo. And the greatest story about that, uh, as with all growth strategies in academic innovation, is that, you know, we, we got that first one done. Um, it worked well. That company, we, we enjoyed working with that company. That company knew that the data coming out of Ole Miss was, was good. And so now we're on our third um, partnership and license with that company. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. They're probably listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. We enjoy them. You know, that, and that's, that's the point. They were able to grow their company. They're hiring more folks. That job creation is part of it. That's awesome. Well, can you tell us a little bit, Allison, about what you think is most important for managing innovations to have the greatest opportunity for success? Sure. And I think that that goes back to to when you were asking about what we have in development, because, again, we are very small um, when um, when you're talking about managing, especially on the life sciences side, uh, we have a growing biomedical engineering group. These technologies are risky and they and they take a lot of money. And so. A couple of interesting things I've noticed um, in innovation, whether it be working, you know, at a large university or we've got about, so for the audience, we've got about $68 million in R&D going on on this campus. That gives you kind of that context. So again, a, a relatively small research enterprise. Um, but at that same time, we have four biomedical innovations that are in human clinical trials right now, which is absolutely extraordinary to me. I, I use that. It's a, it's a bragging point, but it's extraordinary because industry as a whole has moved that risk equation so much farther down now. And um, so the companies that we partnered with back in the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s, the top five pharmas, the top five um, biotechs, they can't take on the risk for the innovations as early as we have them now. So the majority of our office's work now is in an entrepreneurial mindset and in an investment mindset, because usually what's going to happen is the company that takes the technology is either going to be a faculty startup, which is great, um, or it's going to be a very small company that's going to need to go raise money because they're partnering with us to go do it. And they're executives that have been out there doing this for a while. And that has just shifted everything that we do and measure for success because it's not a matter of anymore. I've been listening to your podcast is it's true. Every speaker I think has hit on this. It's not a licensing model anymore and it's not a, it's not a handoff model anymore. And so the, the, the most thing, the most important thing to me in terms of managing innovation is, is the expectations as to what's actually going to happen in the next 12 months and in the next 18 months. Um, these, these ideas um, that we built into our licensing agreements, even as far as back as five years in terms of you're going to write this great plan to get this product X on the market. And, and that mindset just won't um, and that's not going to ensure the greatest probability of success. So again, we're thinking in what's, what's the next step, what's the next piece of data that needs to get, what's the next thing that faculty member needs in order for his company to be successful? Because that's the only way the technology is going to get out into the public. Now, I think that's a good segue to talk about innovation partners. Could you tell us a little bit about the innovation partners there at MISS and the role they play in tech transfer there? Again, it's it's that idea that uh, so the example I have right now is that we're negotiating five license agreements um, and, or options, and, and 
Some of those are with faculty startups, but it's still a negotiation. Um, and most of them are with these very small companies. Only one of them is with a company that I would call large cap. And so, again, working with those partners and, and in ensuring that the conversations are, again, about the development of the product and not so much about the finances anymore. I mean, we get past the financial term sheets as quickly as, as we possibly can. So um, we rely on the comps. We, we model it as much as we can, and, and then we move on. So another critical aspect to making that work is leveraging the resources above and beyond what we have on this campus. And so in terms of working with potential partners, one of the things that's been the most dramatic and the most successful in the last 18 months is the relationships that we have with the other commercialization offices around the state. Um, I noticed, I heard uh, you talked to Almisha Campbell at Jackson State, who's a partner with us on not only technologies, but she's a partner with us on several innovation grants, um, one with the NIH. She's done extraordinary things at Jackson State. Yeah, she has as a one-person office, too. Yeah, um, and it's just, it's unbelievable. But, you know, the directors, as we call ourselves, <laughs> um, and we have five research-intensive campuses uh, around the state. You know, we talked, you know, we talked at Autumn, we, you know, check in and all of that. But about 18 months ago, we decided, you know what, this is just, um, we need to we need to get real and we need to have conversations about where our gaps are right now, and if there's any way that we can help each other with those gaps. And it's been extraordinary um, how those conversations have not only helped improve the efficiencies within our office, but in our metrics. So um, it's it's been a lot of fun, and and that 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 smaller conversation has now bloomed. And so now we also we as a group regularly meet with all the economic development officials at our at our campuses. In fact, we met yesterday. Um, and that's where you start getting that impact context conversation going, that pipeline conversation going, and and what are again where our gaps are with this particular project. And it's amazing how these economic development professionals can come in and say, "Hey, have you thought about this?" Or actually, I've got a meeting with that company, and um, that that's been extraordinary. And then it bloomed again. If I can keep going with the story, um, and that our the, the state's economic development partner is Mississippi Development Authority. And um, again, been in great contact with them, but they have a, a, a new director. And then also the head of their innovation center said, let's just try and start working together. And so um, that's been extraordinary. And now the, our governing board for all of the academic institutions in the state is part of this conversation. And that's how that's how you get it done. And actually, it's, so it's the small office analogy that I was trained in that, you know, I've had the opportunities to talk on panels and train others and pay that forward. But that model now is what's working in the state of Mississippi. And I think that's amazing, especially given the fact that we're a year into this pandemic and economies have been decimated, not only in the U.S., but all around the world and trying to find new ways to work together to kind of recover from the economic impact that this pandemic will have. And I think it's it's great. And one of the things that I've seen and learned from this podcast is, you know, the cooperation and collaboration amongst transfer offices is just incredible. And I think this is a tremendous example of yes public private kind of partnerships. Mm-hmm. So that's congratulations and congratulations to Almisha too. So I wanted to ask you, given that, um, what would you say some of your office's biggest challenges are? Well, that story doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot of overlap. Of, yes. 
in terms of, you know, the, the, the challenges are, as they always have been, you know, you want to make investments in these technologies and you want to give these folks who are um, innovative and entrepreneurial in their thinking, but it is still at the bench scale and, you know, they're, they're working and they're looking at the risk model. So, you know, there's always, yes, I would love a greater patent budget, you know, a, a proof of concept fund where I could, you know, say, yes, let's take $5,000 and see what this looks like before you're having to go um, into dilutive investments um, through investment partners or waiting on a federal grant um, that may take a longer amount of time. I mean, the, one of the biggest challenges for me is to create a, 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 you know, a parallel track where we can, we can throw some money at it. They are looking at the extraordinary SBIR, SDTR and other um, state and federal government funding and then talking to investments because that's, you know, that's, that's the risk model that you want to present. So that's it. But, um, and then always, you know, more people or all that, but I, Again, with with this transition to um, this collaborative, innovative network model that we've moved to in the state of Mississippi, one of the greatest examples I have now is is our governor and and the head of our MDA made an investment right before the holidays to partner with a company out of California called Startup Genome. And um, what's extraordinary, right now they have Startup Genome has over about 100 um, communities clients and, and um, municipalities that they work with to help with startup branding. They, they, they publish a yearly report that, that's a global innovation impact report. The most extraordinary thing to me about, about the state making this investment in, in what we're doing is that they're recognizing and they're asking questions about how um, entrepreneurship, innovation, these emerging technology clusters that they're seeing coming out of these academic communities around the state uh, need to be supported. And, and quite frankly, that's been something that had been missing in, in the state of Mississippi for a while. Um, we still don't have state proof of concept fundings. And we have one EOS, um, Innovate Mississippi, that does a tremendous job, um, but their budget is like ours. And so even that that small investment by uh, by our state leadership to say, look, we're going to we're going to invest in this partnership. And they're going to help you with your analysis of where, how you're doing, what you're doing great, where your gaps are. And they're going to help us with some global branding, which is really what's going to change, um, to me, our ability to interface with industry, whether it be a startup all the way up to, to large companies. So that that one's extraordinary. The other ones that uh, we talked a little bit about on Almisha, I would say, is um, – we were we partnered with the University of Kentucky um, and the the accelerator grant that she mentioned um, for Ole Miss. This is a virtual biomedical accelerator, and again, the the key thing for me in this was NIH's as part of their idea NIGMS idea program was that um, let's help these states with a virtual accelerator because for a long time, like we talked about love insight park, we need, we need more of those buildings. But when these, when these ideas, these companies are so early, if there is a way to virtually now help support them, connect them to network resources, whether it be data or subject matter experts, investment funding management, but let them keep that address in the state of Mississippi, that's a win. Um, It may not stay in Mississippi forever and, but at least it's got a shot for staying a lot longer than it is now. And so um, these things 
that are happening are absolutely extraordinary and certainly make those challenges a lot easier for a small office. Well, Allison, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests, if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be? That's been an interesting question to ponder um, lately. I mean, certainly, as I mentioned, we've we've got these technologies in, in human clinical trials. And so the ability to have that press release where we have a poison ivy vaccine that my husband is first in line for. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, the, the ability to tell those stories is is absolutely extraordinary. And certainly with the pandemic, um, some research has been put on hold. We've been able to do a lot of business, but, the, you know, the real transformational work is picking back up. And so saying that those patients are out there or those companies are manufacturing the, the products out of Ole Miss, that's it. Um, that's a big one. Uh, two would be that that proof of concept fund. Uh, I am I am working night and day on this, and um, and and the key for that to me is that the model we want to build is that it's it's not just a, a monetary investment. That is an investment with again subject matter experts and and mentors, so that we're really building them on that path um, to to success. Um, so that that's one. And then with the pandemic, you know, I, I want to see my team again. I want to go to an autumn meeting. <laughs> I want to totally hear you on that one. It is it is extraordinary, you know, it, as we as we move towards this year two, which is, is extraordinary to me. Um the, the the lessons learned are that for me is that I think we can find a lot of ways to get a lot of things done virtually, which it, the flashlight that this has shined on that is extraordinary to me. Um and and we we have models now where we're working with folks that with companies far away that originally had, I think there was some we're not sure what's going on, you know, in your neck of the woods kind of thing. And now all of that is off the table and everything is on the table in ways of getting creative. But at the same time, I, I believe all those issues now we're wired for connection and we need those connections and we need to see each other and we need to see each other eye to eye sometimes, especially in those negotiations or in those or those difficult conversations. Um, you want to see eye to eye. And then especially with my autumn community, I mean, so much gets done when you can just get in a room with folks and have great conversations, especially at the small office scale. Um, our small office group is absolutely extraordinary because you're like, look, we don't know how to get this done. And, and we you sit around a table and you get it done. Yeah, I'm really hopeful that next year in 2022, we'll all be able to get back together in New Orleans, knock on wood. So I hope so. That's down right down near us. And um, we're excited about it. Yeah, I think everybody is looking forward to seeing one another again. Uh, It's (laughs) like you said, been a very, very long time. So, well, Allison, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Oh, sure. So um, I am on the, the olmus.edu website. It's otc.olmus.edu. And my email address is a-m-i-l-h-o-u-s at olmus.edu. But um, just give me a call and I would love to talk. Great. Well, thank you so much again, Allison. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com.
New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.